0: Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode fifty five, for Monday, March seventh, two thousand sixteen. <music> Greetings, folks. And welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast for and by Weekend Warrior working musicians just for you each and every week coming together to talk about all the things we care about. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: And here in Los Gatos, California, is Paul Kent.
0: How are you, Paul? A little early in the day for us to be recording for you. So, uh, yeah, good morning, I will say to you, even though this is.
1: This is not the musician's witching hour right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've got a little travel, so I appreciate you being flexible. So,
1: yeah, yeah, couldn't miss it. Right. 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 Yeah. I got to tell you something funny. I've actually been asked a few times. People say, man, that Dave has a great voice for these podcasts. But is he really always that happy? And the answer, folks, is. Yes, Dave. Th- what you hear from Dave is exactly who Dave is. One of the most upbeat guys I've ever known in my life. I don't know. Do you ever have a bad day? You, of course you I do. To, yeah, I get surly. Oh yeah. We sure. know each other a long time. I don't know. If you've ever ever shown me like the dark side of Dave?
0: Yeah, I mean you've seen it. So I guess it's not that dark. Um, <laughs> I, you know. I mean, it, it. You know, we all have our 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 downtime, you know what I mean? Or it's, you gotta have both. I think that's important, right? You can't just, I I mean, as nice as it would be to be happy like this and skate across the surface all the time, I I probably wouldn't uh, be able to, you know, dig deep and play, you know, grooves if I didn't have bad days every now and then too.
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's fair enough to say when music is involved, whether you're playing it or talking about it, it's, it is the great equalizer to anything bad that might be going on.
0: It's true. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I get frustrated. I, I have, uh, and this is true everywhere in my life. I have very little tolerance for incompetence is, is what I say. So, I'm with you. yeah. So where you'll Where you'll see me switch from being happy Dave to, to, you know, surly Dave is if I have to deal with something that I consider incompetence. And this is a personal shortfall. I should be more tolerant of people in general, but, uh, but you know, if I'm dealing with a musician that, is unwilling to try, you know, not everybody needs to be the same skill level, but, but, you know, a musician that's just unwilling to try, that gets me really frustrated. A a sound engineer, again, the same kind of thing that's unwilling to try and solve a problem, that's going to get me frustrated on a gig. You know, things happen. I get it. I've been on the other side of it where it's like, you know what, this is as good as it's going to get today. Okay. We've tried. You know what? Muster forward. That's it. But, you know, it's like, nah, screw you. Come on, man. You know?
1: You know, you, you say you have a, a thin uh, tolerance for in, uh, for, in to- for incompetence. incompetence. Yeah. Mine's a little bit different. I have like a very finely tuned BS filter. Like when <laughs> when I can tell that you know people are 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 not being real, that's when my walls go up. And in, in music, it's the same thing. You know, it's like you get some cat walking in a room who thinks he's the greatest thing in the world. You know, and it's all show, or uh, you know just. not genuine is really like a big filter for me. It really messes up with enjoying the process of making music. Right. You know, when you're looking at one eye to see what is this crazy person going to do? Or, you know, I know they're not what they say they are or, you know, anything like that, you know, people talking money when there's not real money. I mean, whatever it may be, but the BS filter is kind of my, and I, and I lose a lot of, a lot of social grace when I know I'm dealing with something like that. I mean, it's very, you can see it on my face, you know, that uh, I'm not into this conversation.
0: There are, there are friends of mine that are nodding along uh, vehemently right now saying <laughs> Dave's like that too, you know? Yeah. Yep. I, I it's, a, it's a self-preservation yeah. skill. Kind it it of. is. Yeah. But, but I don't, um, I don't deal with it as gracefully as I probably, as, as others might be able to, but, but you know, i I feel passionately about all the things I do, not just music, business, family, yeah. everything. And if you're going to mess with that, man, look out. yeah, <laughs> you sure. know yeah, but here, what we're doing is uh, you know, it's good stuff, so yes, I am
1: mostly a happy guy. Why not, yeah. right? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why go through life any other way for sure. But yeah. So I got to tell you about a couple of things. So I had two gigs over the past week. One was a solo acoustic gig. And I shared last week that I had a the, the acoustic gig I had before that not terribly well attended. And, you know, a little bit threw me off my game after that. So the next one was better. Not great, but better. But it was one of those things where um, I was grateful that it was better but I also was able to ease into kind of this mode where like, okay, it is what it is. Focus, focus, focus. And the performance was actually pretty good. So I was, I kind of learned something and, you know, it's all this, you know, we're all evolving all the time. So even though it wasn't an ideal, you know, thousands of people hanging on my every word, it was enough that I could be grateful. It was better. And it was enough that, My mind cleared enough, and I went right back to really, really, really focusing you know, introducing songs and stuff like that. And I had a good buddy who was along with me. Um, you know, we've been talking about our, this friend of ours, Mark Alta Cruz, who, um, works at loud, who reps Mackie. Yeah. And I was trying out one of his, their new Mackie kind of their Bose competitors called the Mackie reach. We talked, you told, you told, in fact, it, we talked about all that stuff on the show and you told me about the reach. So what did you think of the reach? I really, really liked it. So it's, it's way less to carry. So if you're looking for portability, you know, it's not like the Bose is bad, but this is like one thing. And, um, uh-huh. it Sounded Really good. And and like I said, you know, something happened at Mackie. I used to consider them in the ultra consumer, like the Behringer kind of ultra consumer. Um, this was really competitive to the Bose stuff. I mean, it was really, really interesting. No sub, but you can put a sub in, but for a singer songwriter, like I was doing, didn't need it. Um, it was really rich response. My, my, uh, my Gibson J45 sounded terrific through it. Vocals were really cool. They have great software. I mean, they've hired some really good iOS engineers. Well, that's the key these days with the Mackie stuff,
0: right? Is their yep. software is outstanding. Yeah. Yep. In fact, we record this podcast through a Mackie board, you know. It's um if, Ma- if Mark listens, he's going to shake his head uh because it's a 10-year-old board. It's a Mackie Onyx 1220. But um but that's a testament. I I've al- always actually felt that Mackie Certainly was was consumer like you said, but a different grade of consumer than Behringer. Uh, I, I um, I, Behringer is great as long as you don't have to use one of their power amps. That's always how I felt about right. Them. Their power amps are responsive, are are consistently reliable fifty percent of the time. So uh-huh. yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean that you know this twelve twenty board. I had to replace a couple of capacitors in the power supply a year or two ago, but uh, but otherwise you know
1: it's firewire so and it about, works. So. The other thing about this gig is Mark quite possibly one of the, well, quite possibly the best guitarist I personally know. I know a lot of really good players and, and you know, Mark is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, one of those guys is jaw droppingly good. And uh, I asked him to bring a guitar and sit in with me. And this is one of the, the this is a great moment in music. There are guys who are really good, uh, who are not generous musicians. There are guys who are not good, who are not generous (laughs) musicians. But when you meet the guys who are like, that great. I mean, really, really masters of their, other, of of their instrument. And they just still have a joy playing any kind of music with any kind of person. It, it makes you feel so good about being a musician. I mean, you know, Mark is just phenomenal and effortless and he's a great listener and, you know, he has this serene look of joy. We were playing, uh, I don't know, Folsom's Prison blues or or something like that, sure you no, know, just just a blues thing, right, and Mark is you know he's primarily a jazz guitarist, but I mean he really can play anything, and he just got up and he just closed his eyes and he just leaned in, and you know people were turning around like, what the heck is going on. Yeah. It was really fun to watch. And then, and then he opens his eyes and he came back from wherever he went and uh, we just had a nice smile amongst each other. And we just had, you know, I was laying it down mostly on rhythm guitar and singing and, uh, and he was stepping up on the solos and we just had a really, really good time. We played, uh, Melissa, he goes, I don't know this one. And I said, Oh, just, uh, Almond brothers, pentatonic, you'll be fine. Yeah. And he was, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and it was cool. And the point of all this is, it's really wonderful when the guys who are the true monsters, you can see that it's music, right? It's not a test. It's not a competition. You know, it's, it's about, it's about collaboration and making music together. And it makes you feel great about a, being a musician. It makes you feel great about, you know, if you know where you fit in, um, you know, I just laid it down nice and simple and got it out of his way. Absolutely. And it was beautiful. And and it was really, really fun. And, uh, you know, those guys, I, I don't know if they're rare. I mean, I'm, I think I'm pretty fortunate around here. Like the, the the best players around here tend to have that vibe. I don't know. You've, you've been in a lot of different music scenes. You know, like Austin would seem to me to be the most imposing music scene. Right. It, it just subjectively thinking about it, where the heavy cats in, in Austin uh, supportive nurturing musicians or yeah. was it always who's the, who's the biggest guy in the room?
0: You no, know, the, the, the heavy cats were always supporting supportive like that. Um, it was the people that, that had a chip on their shoulder cause they weren't the heavy cats. Right. Yeah. That, that it That's was life too, right? Yeah. Well, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. 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 Art imitates life. Art is life. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you tell this story about playing with Mark and I am sitting here cheering because a, a year – well, not quite a year ago. Back in June, the Lost episode, I was describing that kind of uh, vibe. I think I had just played with some friends or whatever, and, and it had like a similar thing. And you said something to me in a, in an episode that, that was recorded but never released because the, the sound was bad. You said, you you really – enjoy music for music's sake and and you don't need any of the other stuff. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly the words you used, but that was sort of the sentiment. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Like that's the most important thing to me every time I play. And, uh, and it's awesome hearing you I- experiencing that too. Right. I mean, it just, there was, it, sure there were people in the room, but it, but in that moment they didn't matter. That's right. And that's, that's, uh, it, it's not, not that it's not important that they're not there, but you can have those moments and that to me is like the best, uh, you know, that's where it all comes together. Cause you do have people that you're sharing that, that are experiencing this moment with you, but really it's this, you know, the, the focus for you turns to be on stage, even, even just for, you know, a brief little snippet of a song or whatever. And to me, that's, that's why I do what, what we all do is is for those moments yeah i like the crowd and and all of that but but i that is to me that's the most important part of it is those little moments on stage when something good or bad happens and you can have that connection that's just about two people or five people or ten people however many it is playing music together that to me it's like it doesn't get better than that like I've, i've never experienced anything better than that
1: it was transcending. I mean, you go, you just go to a different place. Yeah. It just, music takes care of everything. And so anyway, so that was my solo acoustic, some lessons learned, some great times had, you know, some fun music played and that was cool. And then last night I sat in with a buddy of mine. He has a band. Um, The band was celebrating their five year anniversary. So he he threw kind of an event and he had a good crowd at the local club here. And I sat in for a couple songs um, the good players very good players it's an interesting thing because uh, my buddy Johnny who runs this band um, his guitar player is with him all the time and and the, the band is named after him it's not you know some name okay. and um, uh, and then the the bass player and drummer he has most of the time and they're very very good players but they're very much in demand players as well and Johnny and, and I don't know if anybody out there you know this this is going to apply to them but um, Johnny is a little stuck sometimes because he's you know, these guys are great players, but I don't have them all the time. So should I plan my band around about I'll take them when I can? Or should I plan my band around lowest common denominator and you know, you know, go with lesser players, but guys that I can have all the time? it's a kind of an interesting question i mean they have a you know johnny is the front of this band and you know his guitar player is very good and like i said this this drummer and this bass player are very 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 talented sure. well known you know in demand players around here but it's an interesting question do you do you take the best players you can when you can get them and again i this is a little bit foreign to me because you know, I, I may sub horns once in a while, but not that often anymore. Right. But I don't take a gig if my rhythm section pretty much isn't available. So a- um, although there, there might be something <laughs> to talk about along those lines. Yes. <laughs> but, but go I, ahead and finish your, your thought here. Yeah. The grand exception is going to be discussed. But that's um, right. So so, you know, Johnny, and I talk about this and he's like, we sound so good when we have these guys and they add a lot. Uh, but sometimes one of them is not available. Sometimes both of them are not available. So it, uh, it's an interesting band leader problem. And the deal is, is if he has to, to go to subs on one or both of those um, things, how, um, how much does it affect the music that he, that he plays? You know, harmonies either disappear or change. Yeah. Um, grooves disappear change. Set lists disappear and change. My thought has always been like people always ask me if I can bring the house rockers out with less than 10 people. And I would say, absolutely not. I said, if someone's going to come see the house rockers, I want them to know what they're going to get. And, um, I'm very sensitive that, you know, with my marketing hat on, that is my brand. Yep. If you see the house rockers are playing somewhere, you're going to see a 10 piece band. It is. There are occasions when I have to sub a horn, the horns generally read in my band. Okay. Um, but, um, but pretty much, you know, Nick sings about half the show and, you know, the rhythm section doesn't get, doesn't get subbed. I had to do one gig recently because one of my guys, it was a pretty good paying gig. One of my guys had had a, a family trip planned long before. So I played, uh, it was the other guitar player and I played without, you know, I just handled all the guitar stuff that night. So I didn't sub them. Right. I just played with nine. That's the first time I've done that. I, you know, and gosh, the missing man formation. Yeah, I don't I don't think I can't remember the last time I've done that. But um, to me, consistency is brand. And, and my advice to John is your brand is you. And so be really careful about how much you dole out because you don't know if you're going to be able to deliver it. So if you're giving X amount of vocals or solos to the guys who aren't with you all the time and that becomes something that people love to come see. And then they then you play and they're not there and they don't get that then people are going to say, well, I don't know what I'm going to get when I go see your group. So I, my advice to John was, you know, focus on you and, you know, really I- I embrace the fact that your backing guys are, are backing guys. It's yep. a, it's sideman gig and it's not really a band gig so much. I mean, his guitar player is awesome player. Um, is, is, uh, is cons- consistent with him. He's there all the time and, and he's a good focal point of their show. But I, I, my opinion, whether it's John or anybody else, is, If you don't have consistency, if you're a leader, if you're, you know, I guess this goes for um, whether you're, um, whether you're originals or covers, if your band is going to be changing, be very, very picky about how you dole out um, stage time um, and and feature time Hmm. to people who might not be there. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Or or dole it out in a way that you're featuring them as your guest that happens to be there that night. Right. You know, I've got this, you know, uh, Timmy's playing guitar tonight. Take it away again, Timmy. Isn't he great? I love it when I get to play with him. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. As opposed to Timmy's a member of our band, but not tomorrow. Yeah, You know, you can you can set that stuff up in a way that that is, again, like you said, it's managing the expectations, managing the brand in in the case of the guy you're describing. You know, he has to be the the reason people show up if they show up to see Timmy play guitar. And I don't know, maybe your friend's name. No, you said your friend's name is John. Um, But if they show up to see Timmy play guitar and Timmy's not there they need to not be surprised by the fact that he's not there. They may be disappointed that he's not one of the musicians that was brought, but they need to understand that this is that guy and his, you know,
1: rotating cast of and craft, of craft a narrative that, yeah. that, that, you know, frames that in the right way. That's right. And that's like I said, you know, the band is named after my buddy. Yep. He's the he's a front guy. He's a singer, you know, and, um, craft a show that, um, consistency I guess is what yeah. the message is here is like you know you want people even if even if what you want them to know is that I will always have a great backing band right. whoever it may be I mean there's, there's ways to frame the phrase now do you know anybody else like this do you know any guy who's like you know it's him and um he's and the people that he puts around him might change from time to time yeah, I've played with some of those people and, and yeah, it just
0: has to be about, it has, you know, the show always has to be about that person. Yeah. Um, cool. You know, I have a I I have an interesting uh, relationship with the concept of, of subbing, right? I, I love to be a sub uh, because it's a good challenge for me. And, you know, I get a, oftentimes sometimes I've just dropped into a sub gig and it's like, well, we'll see if I know the tunes or not, you know, that kind of thing. But but then you're given a pass. Right. If you don't know how that band ends a tune it's like, well, whatever, you know, how, how could you possibly you, we've never played together before? I didn't tell you what we were doing, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, the bar is usually set a little bit lower um, and I can almost always exceed the bar. Right. So I can I can come out of the gig a winner. Right. And And so that's great. Uh, and, and I like the challenge of that, you know, as I said, I, you know, I live for those moments on stage where something happens and everybody kind of locks in together Well, with a sub, everybody's a lot more aware. So, so those moments tend to happen like, like they did with your friend Mark, right? You don't play with him often. So you don't, you didn't expect these things to happen. You know, yeah. And it was a nice moment when it did. Right. So that's, that's a big part of what I love about subbing and also the right type of jam sessions, but you know, I'll stay on the subbing. Uh, topic but it's it's a similar kind of thing um i hate playing in a band that where someone else has to be subbed out um uh, you know like like fling i'm really the guys probably hate me for it but i i'm like you are with the house rockers with fling it's like if the five of us can't make it i really have a hard time calling this fling you know we've 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 wound up having to last minute have a you know our keyboard player Aaron I think it's happened twice where he couldn't he couldn't make it to a gig. I think he was stuck in an airport once or you know, there was just things happen in life, right? You know, we're not doing this full time. And he couldn't do the gig and and we've done it we've done gigs twice without him, the missing man formation. And, you know, he sings a good chunk of the leads. He and I really lock in together on harmonies and he plays keys. So it's a different instrument, you you know, that really adds something and uh, to the to the whole picture. And it's a it's he is a huge part of our sound in many different ways. And we can play a gig without him and we've done it and it's fine. And there are those moments where it's a little more interesting and and even, you know, fun because we've got to sort out what's going to happen without Aaron there. But. It's not as good, you know, without him. Um, But the flip side of that is Chafed, which is a band that um, there's five of us and we've played gigs where all five of us are there. But more often than not, especially lately and especially given how infrequently that band plays, many of the gigs wind up with at least a sub. And I just had to it sucks. I had to turn down two Chafed gigs for the next couple of months because I've got some family travel that we're doing. Mm. Uh, You know, my kids are, I don't, I'm I'm okay. Prioritizing family at this point over, over gigs because, um, you know, my kids are going to be leaving in like three years and then it's all done. You know, yeah, you, you know, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So it's fine, but it sucks. And every time I have to punt on a gig, I know that there's a chance I'll never get that gig again. Right. Which I don't like you know especially punting on two in a row it's like well why why won't that guy just become their drummer he can show up for gigs and i can't right you know it's fine <laughs> well i mean there's there's some truth to that cuz i've gotten gigs like that for the, exactly that reasons like i i keep showing up you know maybe you should just keep calling me
1: and in fact that's kind of how i got the chafe gig <laughs> um see see yeah exactly um it, i i'll it, actually say this i noticed this when when my when my horns are like this like they don't take it lightly that this band that works fifty, sixty times a year, when they, you know, when they step out on one for whatever reason it may be, it may be, you know, almost all those guys, it's all their money is is from music, and so right. if they get a casual, you know, it's five, six hundred bucks or something like that, they they pretty much have to take it. But I still give them a hard time, you know. I still let them know you're damaging our brand. You know, I don't say that, but I mean, right. I, yeah, I still let them know. People come to our gigs to see you, right? You have your own little, I've invested that in you and and they get it. And uh, it doesn't happen near as often as it did say seven, eight years ago, but they know like (laughs) it's a good gig, right? Right. Be careful what you choose. Be careful what you ask for. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, so it's interesting, but I, um, so I, like I said, I have a complex relationship with subbing, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but <laughs> you know, like when I'm playing required. with Chafed, and it's a we have a different guitar player or, or, or something. It's like okay, it, it's just it's not as good as that band can be, even though that band That's doesn't right. rehearse a lot. There's still something. It's it's one notch down, you know.
1: And it's well, it is. I mean, tight yeah. can only happen through rehearsal and familiarity. Tight doesn't you know happen. You know, you, not that other good loose things can't happen with subs, but right. tight and you know really you know, the polish of a truly professional performance. I think there's probably some type of musicians who say you don't need that. You know, there's musicians like as long as we start together and end together, you know, what is anybody going to care as long as the music is good. But I, you know, the problem, the problem with that is, is that the number of guys who really can pull that off, a lot of people fool themselves into, and then that kind of goes into what you were saying before about the guys with their chip on their shoulder. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of guys who, who they're, the reason that they're taking that approach is that they're just freaking lazy. Right. They don't want to yeah. put in the work. Right. And so that, they're like, that's, Oh, it's just music. How, you know, how many, how much do you have to rehearse a 12 bar blues? And it's like, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that a lot of people, everybody can play a 12 bar blues, you know, At a a six level. But if you want to do the things that make it a a 12 level on a 10 point scale, that's a different thing, you know, and that's that's so maybe that's the best part of this is is the guys who typically most of them who want to walk in and just say, hey, no problem. They're just OK and they're not going to make your band special. The guys who no. really can walk in and play, you know, with anyone at any time. Those are the pro level guys and very few are actually at that level. Yeah,
0: Sometimes I trick myself into thinking I'm that good <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because sometimes I have to. Right. You know, if I'm walking into a sub gig, the last thing I can do is walk in and think, well, I'm really going to screw this up. You know, I mean, I got to walk in thinking I'm I'm it. You know, I can do this, but, it, but it's, I'm also like big ears is my, my philosophy with that, right? You've yeah. got to walk in, you've got to listen, you've got to, it's not just ears, it's ears and eyes, right? You've got to pay attention to every little thing to the point where when they turn around to tell you what song is next, you should already know. And, yeah. and you, you know, cause I can watch if he's talking to the keyboard player, I can see what they're saying, and you got to learn to like hear that, or hear the opening chord to a tune that a guitar player is like messing around with. Then you got to be able to pick up on what's going on with that, right? But I'm not that good, at, you know. And and last night I was listening to Sting's live album from his uh, Blue Turtles tour, the Bring On The Night album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was listening to it, and it's one of my favorite albums. I, you what know, a drummer uh, Omar Hakim on that one, but it's you know it's Omar Hakim and Daryl Jones was playing bass because Sting was playing guitar. And he's got Kenny Kirkland playing keys and Branford Marsalis was on sax. but they rehearsed as a band. And if you've, and Annie had two female backing vocalists whose names I don't remember. Um, if you've never seen the movie for that, for bring on the night, go watch it. It's, it's really interesting to see all of them kind of put together that that show and then go out and play it. And sure. even Sting had to learn how to sing harmonies the right way. Cause he's come out of the police. He didn't really know, you know, right. And these girls were schooling him. I mean, it was this definite, you, you know, there was this whole vibe cause he, Sting wanted to make that a, a band, not just sting and these other musicians. It didn't quite work out that way. Uh, but, but that was the goal. So there was a lot of openness there, but I'm listening to it. And again, I've listened to this album, I, I don't know, 500 times or something. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, man, I know they probably fixed a couple of things in production or whatever, but listen to the way this band locked in together live. They're not playing simple material and yet there are no mistakes. I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah. You know, and we've seen, we've all seen bands live like that too, where it's like, Holy cow, man, this is just so good. Like, and that it was a humbling moment. It was like, well, at least I know why I keep practicing, you know? (laughs) It's like, yeah. I'll never get there, but I'm going to, I sure am going to try. Cause I'd love to, you know, just, well, be, just to be able to play at that, at that level with, with people that can also play at that level.
1: Absolutely. And this is the thing. I mean, think about it. If you, if you think you're at that level, there's a big, big, big difference between walking in and playing, taking care of business. And playing message in a bottle or something in a strange time signature or, you know, anyway, that's, that's when you're a pro when they can turn around and look at you and say, this is in seven. And you're like, I'm on it. Got it. You know, that's, that's a different thing. We had a gig one time talking about pros who can just walk in the stars lined up one time and I had a good corporate gig in San Francisco and, uh, I had a sub, um, it was a really good playing gig, but we got it on really short notice. And I had a sub, trombone and two trumpets so i had my barry and i had my tenor guy great players and uh i so the guys i got um one of them tours with uh huey lewis and the doobie brothers one of them has is a grammy winning um you know uh, salsa band leader and then the other guy is now you know a phd candidate in music at at, uh, ucla who's just a great player one of the more connected guys around and uh it was an interesting example of what pros can do when they walk in. And, and I'll never forget this because the whole band was just kind of turned around and just listening to the blend and listening to the power. That was one thing, but we played, I think we got a request for sweet home, Alabama. There is no horn part in sweet home, Alabama by the, uh, I think we want one verse and one chorus by the second verse there was a full five beat five piece horn part worked out. I mean, they must have like hummed it to each other while we were playing, and or, or one guy just started playing a lick, and the other one just immediately layered on, yeah. and all of a sudden there was a there was like a a real horn part. Say. It, was, it was my band still talks about this and blink in disbelief that these guys were just so on it. There really is a difference between those guys that are in the upper stratosphere of professionalism with regards to their craft of music and, uh, and guys who just want to walk in and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to walk in and be able to play bar band stuff. That is one thing, yeah but you know, don't fool yourself that being able to walk in and play um, taking care of business means that that's the only, that's, that's a a permissible way to prepare music that you're going to take money for to charge other people for. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, nope. absolutely.
1: Absolutely. P- professionalism yeah. counts. <sighs> totally counts. Yeah.
0: So can we, can we tell them what's going on this summer, Paul?
1: Yeah. So it is, <laughs> it is the summit East meets West. My good buddy, Dave, I have one of those rare occasions where, um, my drummer, because he runs a huge festival, um, in Silicon Valley and we typically take a weekend off at the end of, of August every year. Um, he's tied up. But we got this great offer to to play all weekend at a car show, and um, I talked to Joe about it. He was very gracious about it. He goes, "You guys cannot turn down a gig like this." So when I started thinking to myself who do I know that's a drummer that could possibly step in and, and, uh, and we'll do the work to prep and, you know, come have a good time. Of course, my dear friend, Dave Hamilton is who came to mind. And so Dave, I guess the money is good enough where it's worthwhile to fly him out. He happens to know somebody that he can stay with me. Um, so we can put those costs down, but yep. Dave and I are going to get a chance to play together for the first time in about three years. Um, we're going to get a chance to play together all weekend and hang out. And, and uh, so we're going to be playing the good guys, national car show show in pleasanton california uh august i think it's 20 is it 26 and 27th or twenty seventh, 28th something whatever that weekend is friday whatever and, that week- saturday is. sunday yeah yeah, yeah. three shows uh, three sets on the saturday one set on the sunday um cool venue if you like classic cars if you're in northern california if you just want to hear the gig guy guys do what they do, um, it would be kind of a fun thing. But I got to say, I'm so excited that you would do this, Dave. We're going to have a lot of fun hanging out together and playing some music together, which we haven't been able to do since the last uh, Cirque du Mac event.
0: Yeah. Well, and this is going to be different than a Cirque du Mac event. I mean, I'm I'm a, a little bit I don't want to say anxious about it, but I I, I know that I need to. That it's big shoes that I need to fill, right? I mean, not only is Joe a great drummer, but you guys have your arrangements, and you know, you don't, you want to put on a good face in front of this the, this car show crowd, right? So we, I got to make sure that I show up either knowing everything I need to know, or knowing eighty five percent of what I need to know, and looking at you and Nick and Steve, and trying to figure out
1: the rest. Yeah, well, big ears will help. But you know, that for anybody who ever is is wondering about how this is working, I'm actually going to give Dave either original recordings or recordings of us playing songs. I'm going to give them about two and a half or three months. I'm going to make the set list way early. The house trackers right now are adding a lot of material. So I don't even know what's going to make the cut for us sure. yet. Sure. But um, pretty much anything with car in the title, drive my car, pink Cadillac vehicle. <laughs> these will definitely all be part of the car show um, set. But um, so drive know, my
0: car. I'm- that That's a tune. I've played it countless times. I know where I come in on the intro, but, you know, we talked about like rock and roll. I know it starts on the end of three. Take it easy starts on the end of four. I don't exact. I think I think I worked it out once, but I don't have it in my head where the guitar line on drive my car starts. I think it's the end of one, but but I know where to come in. We'll be fine. I think Uh, we'll
1: find out in August. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll also be able to, you know, it's not like your first note is going to be downbeat. I mean, we'll definitely have a little time to yeah. sound check and, and work a couple, couple of your questions out. So oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. But yeah. that's,
0: you know, that's one of those tunes that I remember when I first played with groove syndicate, uh, which is a band very similar to the house rockers. Uh, I played a gig with them without any rehearsal. Uh, their drummer couldn't make it. They were in the process of throwing their drummer out. There was all these politics going on, whatever. And, uh, and so the, the horn players in the band were a little skeptical of me just stepping in and playing it. And, uh, and I had two things going for me. One is I, I knew the set list. And so I, I rehearsed and I nailed that intro, which, which made everybody happy. But I also happened to be set up. They, that band sets up the horn players uh, kind of in the middle of the stage and in, in like the, the lead singer role, if you will, you know, kind of right in front of the drums, if the drums are center stage back and, and right. they were, so I could see their charts. Uh, because there, there, I, I could see between the two of the horn players and I could see the music stand and the stage was, was shallow enough that I could read the charts. So even though I didn't have their charts for, with me, I knew their lines that they were playing and I could play off of them, which was good. Cause everybody else in the band was like on board with me being there and I could see their charts. And so those guys were like, man, you're hitting all the hits with us and everything. This huh? is outstanding. It's like, hey, it's what I do, but that's. But that's what I'm saying about paying attention to everything that you've got right on stage, especially in that sub thing. You know, it's not just hearing what people are doing or hearing what people are saying. If you can see something, look at it. (laughs) You know, it's all, it's going to make the show better.
1: I actually want to do a show with you where it is um, put the drummer on the therapy couch. I have, I have a lot of questions for you about the psyche of being a drummer. I mean, because you know, in one way, it's a different gig in that there's not chords and melodies and notes and, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, there's certain expectations that if you don't have to memorize that stuff, you should have to do this stuff. Yep. And I wonder, I wonder what a drummer's perspective on these things. So I think we're going to, we'll have to do a, a, a whole session that is Paul interviewing a drummer and kind of bring out the whole gestalt of, of what it is, how a drummer approaches their craft, how a, br- a drummer approaches their role in the band. I think it'd be really interesting because I, I, I tend to think that, uh, you know, it, it's amazing to me, like drummers, drummers who can read, um, are, are, that's fascinating co- concept to me. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, you know, even if you're a guitar player, you have to be able to read tablature or, or charts or something to get sure. through. Right? Yeah, of course. But of course. a drummer doesn't have to read to play a lot of stuff. Right. No, no, it's true. Yeah. So it's a different, it's a different mindset coming into stuff. But you know, like, like did you tell me once Charlie Watts, you know, is like a trained drummer. Like he reads and he writes charts and he writes big band charts. Did I you tell me that once? I don't know that I told you that, but it, it it wouldn't surprise me.
0: You know, I I think more drummers, if if, and maybe it's just my experience with drummers, but I I find that if I put a group of of like cover band musicians together. Uh, I would say that percentage-wise, more of the drummers would know how to read than anybody. I would expect more of the drummers to know how to read than anybody else in the room. How about that? Well, and it's because, and this may be changing, right? Because now schools are incorporating guitar play, guitar, and, and, and more, you know, quote-unquote pop instruments into their school orchestras. But as a drummer, I had every opportunity to play in, you know, concert band, jazz band, orchestra, stage band, you know, the whole thing. And I had to be able to read for all of those, but it was the same instrument that I was also using to play with my friends, you know? And, and so that's, and I think that's true of a lot of drummers, especially, you know, kind of our generation that, that had that opportunity. And so like reading, it was just seemed weird to me that a drummer couldn't wouldn't have learned how to read but but i mean i certainly know drummers that haven't and some of them are fine drummers and some of them are terrible and i know some drummers that can read that are also terrible you know it's it's not it's not indicative of their abilities it's just something they picked up along the way because of where they were playing
1: yeah well i'll tell you um most of my horn players met playing in a big band uh, mm. in this area. So there's a couple of, and big bands are interesting for horn players. Those That's kind of like their hang, you know, that's, you know, the, a lot of the music that horn players come up on, like you say, it's band stuff, yep. which then involves a the big band. But this big band had a special relationship with the great drummer, Louis Belson. Uh. And they, to a man have said, Louis's original big band charts were the hardest charts, you know, that they had to play very, very, um, technical, you know, and I wonder if it's because, of, uh, you know, they talk about these like long, long, um, passages of 30, sec- 30 second runs. I wonder if it's because that's, that's what a drummer is doing is yeah. like, long passages. of 30 so we're, Yeah.
0: We're <laughs> used to reading <laughs> rhythms. Yeah. When I see like the hardest thing for me to read, I, I had to do this, uh, theater gig just like right about this time last year where I was also playing keyboards, right? But um, and I can sort of read keyboards. I learned how poorly my keyboard reading was or I confirmed how poor it was uh, doing that gig. But I got through it. But part of what I was playing on keyboards was like horn lines and and these other various things. And I, I mean, I can read the most complex rhythms like without even thinking about it. Right. You know, all these 32nd notes and 16th notes, all that stuff is just burned into my, my, the fiber of my being, <laughs> but trying to read these like eighth note things with ties and all of that, you know, you, as a drummer, you're not really playing an instrument that has sustain. Sustained. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like, what the, I, I mean, intellectually, if I stop, I can think about it, but it's like, Whoa, the hardest part of this is not reading the notes it's, it's reading. They're not reading the, the, yeah, yeah the, the, the notes it's re- it's like the duration stuff. It's like, this is a weird math problem. How do you people think about this? <laughs> like you've got this tie over three notes and oh, I'm supposed to, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. That may, I've heard that before. That makes sense. And I sat down with the, the real keyboard player who was the music director on this. And we went through a, a couple of these things. And as soon as I heard him play one of these lines, it was like the light bulb went off. It's like, oh, uh I'm making this a lot harder than it needs to be. It's just, I'm not used to seeing these patterns on paper. Cause, because you would never write anything like that for a drummer. It'd be worthless. You know, it's like, you don't tie three notes together. Yeah. It's like, it's not going to have, it's like, I don't have the ability to, to translate <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that totally makes sense that Louis. speaking of big band drummers and reading though, it's always important to note Buddy Rich, uh, never could read a note of music. At least that's what he, uh, that's what he said. Crazy. He played everything by ear. You want to talk about, I mean, holy cow.
1: Freak of nature.
0: Now go back and listen to everything he played and realize that he didn't have a chart. Oh, it was in his head. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 But don't let that make you think you shouldn't be able to read because you're not Buddy Rich. <laughs> Right. Right. Freak of nature. He's a freak of nature. Yeah. It's great that he existed. Don't follow (laughs) us. You can't, you can't expect that. You can't be that. That's right. He was Uh, the only one. That's right. (laughs) So funny. Well, all right. So now we know uh, what the, well, I know the, the topic of, of the two next shows, because we had one that we were going to talk about today that, that we never got to, which is great. And then you say you want to do the drummer on the therapy couch, which uh, I would love to do that. Yeah. So now we've, we've got a couple in the can or a couple topics in the can anyway.
1: Keep us going. Uh, that's what
0: we got to do. Folks, you can put topics in the can too. In fact, we would love it if you did. In fact, actually, we have uh, one or two uh, topics that you've sent in that we have yet to get to. So I think we've got quite a few, but we want more. Send them in. Feedback at com or ask a question on our Facebook page. We would love, love to hear from you. It's always good. And you know, we'll always reply to you. So. Uh, it's, it's a conversation we like to have. Definitely. Paul, I hope you have a great week, my friend.
1: You too. Safe travels. I know you're traveling early this week. Yeah. So uh, get back quick and to your family, and uh, we shall do this again next week. We will do this again next week, folks. Hope you have a good week, too.